All right. Should we start this or what? Yes. Yes, we should. Hey, welcome back to the show. Your parents watch this with Keen Beatty and Brad Semituck. I'm Keen Beatty. I'm Brad Semituck, and we're brought to you by Comedy Here Often, and we're brought to you to tell you how the movies your parents watched shaped their generation, baby. Yeah, why are your parents the way that they are? Well, listen to this, and uh, we'll tell you. Uh, what movie are we watching? This uh, week we watched Season of the Witch, a George A. Romero classic. I mean, I, uh, classic might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's definitely a George A. Romero movie. Uh, <laughs> a classical George A. Romero movie, <laughs> meaning it's old. Yes, classical in that it's 50-plus years old. I don't think it is. I'm not doing math. No, it's 49 years old. God damn, I'm quick. Anyway, this movie's about... Uh, it was directed by George A. Romero. It's about uh, Joan Mitchell, who is a neglected, unhappy suburban ha- housewife who ends up dabbling in witchcraft and killing her husband. So, uh, you know, it's a story we can all relate to. A story about feminism. <laughs> Taking what you want. We've all been there. If you We've haven't been there, you know someone who has. Yeah, if you haven't been there, you will be soon. Uh this movie also invented the R2-D2 sound effect. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Is that real? Yeah. No, it's well, not. The... Star Wars came out before. No, wait, what? Sorry. T- I'm sorry I interrupted. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just that the opening. <laughs> it's just that the opening soundtrack is literally the beeps that come out of R2-D2 in Star Wars. That's awesome. Yeah, the soundtrack <laughs> to this movie was fun. Like, they're not even going for music. It's just like the noises you hear in a dream. What? You remember that episode of The Office where Gabe shows everybody a horror movie and it's really unco- it's just like a bunch of scenes of horrible shit and everyone yeah, gets uncomfortable and like, hates Gabe? That's what this movie reminds me of. It's just like cutting of. a cake full of blood and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how this movie feels when you watch it. It starts creepy as hell. Like nothing is filmed at the right angle. It's all nothing it's all like way way off center and shit and then uh the cuts are so weird, and it yeah, it just immediately sets you up to feel like you're in a fever dream. Exactly, and that's the weird part about watching this movie. Movie is you don't know if that's like an intentional choice on uh, George A. Romero's part, or if it was just kind of a byproduct of uh, how fucked up this movie's history was. Because before we talk yeah. about the movie, I'd like to talk about uh, like the production of this movie and get, trying to get it released. Um, so I just want to Romero- say that. Uh, the first five minutes of this, like if you're trying to imagine what we're talking about, it looks like those techno music intros to YouTube gameplay videos <laughs> that we all used to watch. Yeah, we're like, every- that's how I feel about it. Everything's everything's bulbous and popping. Yeah, fisheye <laughs> lenses right up to the guy's face. It's shot badly <laughs> on cheap equipment. Um, techno music. It's so fucked up. It's yeah. But anyway, so like this right. movie, it had a very, uh, I guess, troubled production. Uh, George A. Romero made this after he made um, uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead or uh, Night of the Living Dead. And then he made like a rom-com. And then he wanted to like try and uh, kind of get away from being known as like a gory guy. Um, and so he tried to make like a psychological horror, which was this movie. Um, it was originally yeah. titled Jack's Wife. Uh, which I think is a really fucking good name for this. Um, and it was, you know, it's like a it's a women's lib. Mo- like, this movie came up kind of when feminism was on the rise, but, like, obviously not at its peak because there weren't any female directors in Hollywood. So George A. Romero got in there and made, like, uh, yeah, just a feminist movie about witches and shit. And uh, 
the uh, distributor decided that it would be impossible to market. So instead, they changed the title from Jack's Wife to Hungry Wives, uh, cut about 40 minutes out of it, and then tried to market it as a softcore porn. And then, you know, like, this is a fucking wordy movie. This is a wordy, (laughs) slow burn psychological thriller. And if I walked into the theater expecting to see a porn, I'd be furious. Listen, everybody knows that there's a bigger market for guys who want to jack off to words than women who want to have a story told to them. So obviously yes. they released it as a softcore porn. It just makes sense. <laughs> That's business <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> I love that. Like, it seems like they didn't figure out how many women there were in the world until like 1999. Yeah. And even then it was just like they didn't know. They were just like a little bit closer. They were like, there has yeah, to be Yeah, they were just like realized there was some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> And and then like obviously nobody fucking wanted to watch a movie called Hungry Wives that was ninety minutes long, incomprehensible and not even that horny. Um, so it fucking faded. Yeah, into I didn't obscurity. get hard once in this movie. No, me neither. Um, that no, yes, but not because of this movie. I was thinking about other stuff. Oh yeah, but then ended up this movie just ended up like fading into obscurity until George A. Romero released Dawn of the Dead, and that gave him uh you know put a little uh, respect on his name so he was able to get this re-released as season of the witch but unfortunately like all the footage that was originally cut was lost so it was still just like a 90 minute incomprehensible movie this movie is objectively (laughs) bad it's not good it's really tough to know what's going on it's written weirdly the direction is bad uh but i just like the spirit of it i like the story of a woman who's had enough and chooses to kill her husband and you know have be free it's a it's a really good premise for a movie, you know? It just seems like, like, why would you re-release it but not add anything? Like, even if uh, you lost the footage, you could have reshot it, couldn't you? Uh, I mean, I mean, no, because it was, like, 10 years past when he wanted to, like, redo or do the re-release of it and, like, lost all the footage. But also, like, this movie was originally two hours and ten minutes. And watching it, just the 90-minute cut felt long. Like, so much of this <laughs> is just, like, them talking to each other. Like, this yeah, that's feels true. Like, it, was... it feels like when you read, like, philosophical fiction, like, if you're reading, like, Crime and Punishment or, like, The Plague or something, <laughs> and you know, like, when two characters get into an argument and it's just like, oh, this isn't what the book is about. They're just, like, talking about philosophy and what Dostoevsky's thinking right now. It's... You're and comparing like George A. Romero to Dostoevsky right I now? I am, in that he's trying to just, like, beat you over the head with his philosophy. And it's like, I'd like to hear it. It's interesting to me. But it's like, no, this is presented <laughs> awfully. Unless you're, like, he, wa- unless you want to hear what he has to say, there's no reason to watch this movie. If you just want to, like, enjoy something, look elsewhere. Yeah. So you're saying Dostoevsky should have wrote this movie. Yeah, I'm saying that if Dostoevsky lived a little bit longer, it would have only been a matter of time before he wrote Season of the Witch. But yeah, let's talk about this first intro, because it felt like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. And like we were saying, I can't tell if that was a stylistic choice or just fucking, you know, uh, the leftover result of what happens when you cut 40 minutes out of a movie. Um, Yeah, it's impossible to tell. Um but like it seems like there's a lot of plot holes, which I don't know if it could have been if they could have been filled, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think 
like I, I feel like they could have. I mean, I like to think that they could have, but it also I don't even think that they needed to be filled. A lot of the shit that they cut out of this movie, it was not relevant for like the broader overall plot of you know, a woman liberating herself. It was just like, you know, fluff <laughs> to get there. So like maybe the 40 hours they cut out were just unwatchable garbage. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so them funny. Just, like, was... Figuring out what happened to her dog. Cause that, yeah, uh, whatever. We'll fucking get the it. original cut raised twice as many questions as this one. Does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was just more unanswerable questions. <laughs> there was 40 <laughs> more minutes of things that they didn't get back to at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like that yeah. first uh it because the first beginning of it it's like a weird dream sequence where she's like following her husband through the park and he's just like you, you know like when you move some branches for somebody to get by and then they walk past and you release the branches and you keep going on their hike he was just like whacking her in the face with the branches and all this stuff yeah. and he like leads her to a cage and he just she like sits in the cage so i mean obviously it's a fucking they're just trying to talk about how she feels trapped in her marriage and all this which like yeah yeah i would also if i was you know in the suburbs married to somebody and that was just what my life was now i'd have a fucking tough time with that i think this movie is really about the importance of having a hobby i think this movie is really about the importance of always living downtown You're right. <laughs> this movie is about how you should never own. You should always rent. I don't know. Do you th- you don't think you could transition to being suburban right now? I think I could, dude. Just get a fucking lawn chair, box of Coors Light. Just I think that I, I, man, I think I could, but only because I'm like tired of chasing my dreams. I think <laughs> yeah. that I think that if I had never tried to chase my dreams and I just like went from, you know, uh, school to getting a job and moving to the suburbs, then, yeah, I'd probably long for something more. But I'm pretty in depth with like living in poverty and fucking, you know, going for it at this point in my life that I'm I'm tired. Maybe uh, (laughs) maybe a nice safe cage in the suburbs is what I what I need. Just a husband. Yeah, man, maybe two floors and six bathrooms would do you good. Maybe. Maybe it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, though, that I don't think I could handle about suburban life is, like, everyone else. I think that if it was, like, yeah. if only me, if, it, like, I could move to a cul-de-sac that was just me, that sounds perfect. I think the problem is uh, yeah. everybody else. who. That's who a good point, there. man. Cause, like, I, never... I don't think they value suburbs properly because of, like, how much you're going to have to talk to a guy in khaki shorts, you know? Exactly. Like if I have to look at my neighbor's toes, I'm not paying more than a thousand dollars a month for it. Yeah, you know seriously, I mean? and that's crazy. Like that if anyone in the neighborhood off. wears sandals, I'm not moving. Yeah, no, exactly. And then they're all like expecting you to, you know, keep up your lawn and da 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 da. It's like fuck you. I'll just pay a thousand dollars a month to live downtown and have homeless people shit on my lawn. Then I won't have to worry about yeah. anything. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm right there with you. Because, yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Like, you never think about that because you never think about how bad the suburbs are going to be. But as soon as you move there, like, you're ready for domestic bliss. And then somebody's fucking teenager comes by blasting Eminem out of their Honda Civic. And you're just like, what do you even do? Well, I mean, I think the only way you can appreciate the suburbs is if you didn't start out there. I think you have to start somewhere terrible (laughs) and then then go to the suburbs. If you're just like born into the suburbs, you don't realize like how how nice it is to, I guess, you know, 
how the problems yeah, you deal true. with aren't as big as homeless people shitting on your lawn or like you were saying one teenager playing loud music well how about when i was living downtown a terrorist attack happened on the street I was living <laughs> <on>. <laughs> there's drawbacks to both uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what we're saying is the grass is always greener the, yes maybe that's what this movie is about the grass always being greener i think that it is to an extent except for what adult suburban house parties are because like when in this one it was just like giving me flashbacks to when my mom and like all their friends would hang out and even as a kid i could see that nobody was having fun they were just doing this out of some obligation um like the fucking yeah. adult party here, they're just drinking and doing mad, like they're doing a dirty Mad Libs together as a party. Not even a dirty Mad Libs, though. Like, that is not dirtier than the Mad Libs I would do in, like, whatever, grade four or whatever. Well, I know, no. but that, well, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. They're doing a regular Mad Libs, but they're saying dick <laughs> and balls for all the suggestions. That's yeah. how we played it in grade four, dude. I go to fucking Scholastic Book Fair, pick up, pick up Mad Libs, write a couple F bombs, write a couple dicks whatever it's hilarious that's what these guys are doing man their their sense of humor hasn't progressed past since we're what we were at you know in grade four we're geniuses compared to these suburb uh you know 70s yeah it's insane there's there's a part where someone says the word titties and then everybody breaks out into laughter oh yeah they said intercourse and everyone lost it it's like man that's not even the funniest word for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely not (laughs) but that's also like the weird part of this movie because all the jarring like the editing stops being jarring at that point uh and you know so that's kind of what makes you think like oh is the husband beating her all a dream perhaps Um, yeah i don't know it was weird because like at the party before they start playing mad libs everybody's talking about like how stupid being a witch is and it's like, yeah, but you guys are playing, like, the worst game of all time. Like, maybe you need a witch to summon a more fun game. Yeah. Get a witch to summon Scrabble. <laughs> yeah, that was how Scrabble was invented, through the power of witchcraft. <laughs> Imagine being at a party and the game you're playing is less fun than Scrabble. I don't even I don't, I don't want to think about that party, quite frankly. <laughs> I have enough on my plate right now. I don't want to think of a party that's less fun than playing Scrabble, Brad. That sounds like hell. That sounds like one of the <laughs> that's circles what Mad of Libs hell. Is. That is, except only one guy has to do that. The rest of I can just put out the fact, or you know, put if that guy wants to play Mad Libs, whatever. I can put that out of my brain. He's the one who's got the book. He's the one who's writing stuff down. I can just treat him like he's an idiot, asking me what an adverb is, and then I give him an example of an adverb. You know, but like, yeah, that's fair. With Scrabble, you're invested. I don't know. It's all fucked, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just, uh, quite frankly, I'm thankful we exist in a world with video games and shit. Like, I like how that was passionate us, you just... are about this hypothetical joke. I'm very passionate. I have nothing in my life right now except for getting passionate about hypothetical scenarios, Brad. I sit in my house all day and I break records on track mania. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to say I break records in my own hypotheticals. <laughs> I break hypothetical records. But yeah, so she's just like unhappy in her life. And, and I guess I don't think that they reference it directly in the movie, but it seems like they're kind of new to the neighborhood. Like um, uh, the part right after that, they're, uh, Joan is like being shown around her house by, you can assume it's a real estate agent. Um, and it's. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I thought it was a new apartment. 
I mean, I, I guess so. I like they don't go into it in the movie, so you can assume that they're moving into a new place. It's a new neighborhood. You know, she's being shown around. You meet all the locals, the neighborhood witch. You know, everybody. That's the other thing too is that there's just a lady who's kind of referenced as a witch all through the movie. It's yeah, like, she rocks. Yeah, I love that lady. But <laughs> anyway, but can like, I tell you about my before we get into her? Can I tell you about my favorite realtor quote? Yeah. What What about the realtor? He's uh about to take get, take her on the tour and he says this house has is complete with three tvs with special programming designed to give you ideas oh yeah and i wrote that he, down he too. says it it's like could you say anything more ominous than that you know <laughs> like, give you uh right ideas. after ideas like what what kind and then, of like ideas? horror music starts playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's but... what that's why your dad's always telling you not to give your mom any ideas when he catches you talking to her <laughs> I liked that that whole uh, exchange though, because the way he was showing her around the house, it felt like uh, it felt like like uh, like a prison guard showing a prisoner around uh, like the jail for the first time. Like this is your bunk, you know, this is your roommate. Don't make eye contact; he'll stab you. If you got any questions, dinner's served at <laughs> seven. Uh, we'll see you until then. Hope you don't die. And then they just leave. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like that's all this is—is is her go- like, going around the house, being shown around in this very intimidating manner, and then she keeps like looking at herself in the mirror and just seeing her as an old woman looking back at her. I—I yeah. I thought that was some good ass fucking directing right there. I really liked those shots. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a beautiful theme. Very good, because I like that. That's a good way to say, like, hey, she's doesn't fucking want to die here, uh, and I think that's <clears> a very <throat> relatable premise of a movie to. I, it's, it's fucking scary. Maybe this is the realest horror movie in the world to realize, you know, 30 years in that you're not happy in your life, that you're not yeah, where man. you want to be. <laughs> that's the true horror here. That's the real psychological horror. It's not. Yeah, witches. that's terrifying. It's unhappiness. <laughs> that's even like that's got to be hard, too, because being like when you're older going through it, because like, I don't know, because COVID, I was supposed to move in September and then COVID trapped me here. And then I like every probably like once a week, I have a little panic attack about how I'm going to turn 21 in this apartment. And like, yeah. I can't even imagine the level of panic attack I'd be having if it was 49. Bro, like, I'd, be, is... I'd be out of here. That's how There's people no get way. heart attacks, dude. Every <laughs> yeah. heart attack is just somebody worrying about their future in their middle age. Man, I'm going to just think myself into a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, you will. So thank God you're worried about this now. Like, Man, (laughs) I feel like every young person needs to watch this movie so that they don't end up like Joan Mitchell having to become witches later in life. Like, you know, yeah, we need to re release this. Become a witch at 19, 18, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, we need to re release this so everyone starts having their midlife crises before they're 20. Yeah, man, I think think that's a new thing with our generation. I've been seeing a lot more people have quarter life crises lately. And I'm glad. Oh, it is a thing for sure. Because you log on to the internet and all you see is famous 19-year-olds with bigger dicks than you. And then you're like, well, I'm never going to make it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I listened to a rapper I really liked and I found out he was 15. And then I just stopped listening to rap yesterday after that. (laughs) You're like only BB King from now on. Yeah, that's it. Only guys who have lived and died. Uh, Eventually... (laughs) Once I get older than 26, too, like, I'm not listening to Otis Redding anymore. If I turn 28, that Kurt Cobain's done for me. I'm not listening to anybody who's younger and more successful than me anymore. I think that'll, that'll <laughs> make me a lot happier. 
<laughs> yeah, if you're 19 and you have a podcast, go fuck yourself, loser. <laughs> oh, man. And then there's also, like, the whole... Uh, just you know compounded on top of uh this woman like realizing she doesn't want to fucking be in suburbia anymore she also has to deal with the fact that her daughter's growing up and that she doesn't really have like the same role as a mother that she used to so that's kind of what i think is like the initial action of this sloppily horribly edited movie that's impossible to discern what's happening when i think this is the initial action is her realizing you know how fucked up this is how she really isn't the person that she thought she was that's or you know she's not the person who she thought she was going to be uh, and it's through no fault of her own it's just fucking life baby and she's got to make some changes yeah very applicable man um yeah the, like the first time i watched this i was kind of thinking of like her taking witchcraft as like uh you know that was like the substitute for comedy in my mind that it was you know, <laughs> using that to liberate herself from all of this but yeah i started doing spellbinder open mics uh, yeah. well, uh. <laughs> is that is that how magicians get good at being a magician spellbinding open yeah man you go to a show up go up spell night and you like uh, try to turn the bartender into a rabbit so you don't have to pay your tab because you're a magician and you're broke <laughs> and then eventually you just get good enough that sounds easy that's how Penn and Teller got started. <laughs> I thought it was weird, like, freaking out about seeing that old reflection of herself, though, because it's like, like, I, I think I would have been happy with how well I aged, you know? Like, yeah, she just looked oh, hot wow, with gray hair. Identical, but with gray hair. That's pretty good. Yeah. Good job, Joan. <laughs> yeah. It sounds would, like you're living a stress-free life in myself. the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Plus, uh, I would have, like, asked my reflection if I kept getting laid every day. Yeah, I would have just like looked in the mirror and seen my old self and been like, "Damn, I lived to sixty, huh? That's pretty good." <laughs> I would have learned I lived to sixty and then had an existential crisis about it. And what did like, I do all those years? <laughs> you're having the crisis and like, you see <laughs> the old reflection of yourself fade away in the mirror, and you're like, "Oh, thank God." And <laughs> yourself later on. <laughs> This movie should be rewritten to be seven minutes long, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> you wanted to look because uh, let's talk about her like going out of her way to meet the witch, I guess, because she kind of gets introduced to her through just like one of the other neighborhood wives. Um, yeah, and this this neighborhood wife, uh, what's her name? Shirley. She's kind of like the, I think the analog yeah. for uh, Joan if she didn't like make any changes with her life like they both go to see the witch or like the head witch and Shirley thinks it's whack but Joan is like intrigued and uh that just oh like I didn't realize Shirley thought it was whack I thought it was like uh they went to see the witch and then the witch like said something about tarot being real and then everyone was like oh yeah obviously the cards are real like, yeah what they're are you all real about? yeah of course we all know that these cards are real <laughs> everyone's uh, they all started like aggressively trying to agree harder yeah, I mean, yes, that yeah, uh, to an extent, yeah, it did kind of feel like that. But I mean, like, I'm just saying, after the fact, only one of those two women became a witch after, so I can assume that one of them oh yeah, that's true, kinda, yeah, kind of not for them, uh, and they just kind of you know, that, <laughs> I, all the witch ideas get planted in this lady's brain. She's kind of like considering the idea of like, is this you know, is this real? Is it possible? Um, yeah and uh at the end of her reading the witch says the craziest thing i've ever heard she goes don't pay me in money put something from your house in an envelope and give it to me 
That's how I'm doing comedy shows now. <laughs> That's so crazy. Pay what Don't you pay can. me in money. Give me a vase. Yeah, pay what you can. Doesn't have to be with money. I just want your things. You but know? like, why would you say put something in an envelope? That limits the value of what you can get so much. Like, no one's putting their TV in an envelope. Well, for I mean, you. I think you really. I think you just misunderstood, and <laughs> it's put something like some amount of money, not just like whatever. Hey, what can you fit in an envelope? Do you think? And then send that to me. Oh. <laughs> well, I thought she said, don't pay me in money. She said, don't give me. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. I, the way I interpreted it was, don't give me money right now. Give me a little, you know, mail me a little taste. Give me what you think this is worth later on. Um, I assumed that would also be money, but in an envelope. I think it's cool that you can assume it's okay. whatever, you know, a TV in a really big envelope. <laughs> 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 that's just where my mind went um but also she she goes uh she goes like jones like how will i remember to pay and she's like oh uh you'll remember everyone's really scared not to pay me uh yeah everyone's afraid of me so <laughs> so curse, it's like yeah. i guess psychics have <laughs> psychics run their business the exact same as the mob <laughs> <laughs> like they read your tarot cards and then as you walk out you just see them like smacking a lead pipe on their palm or something <laughs> that's probably a way more effective form of witchcraft like imagine if you included some <laughs> aspects of witchcraft with other aspects of the italian mafia that would be an unstoppable force <laughs> yeah your psychic's like i predict you're a fucking degenerate gambler and then he beats the <laughs> shit out of you and takes your money yeah exactly uh, witchcraft, but with the Omerta I... Code of Silence. <laughs> I predict that you're not going to go to the fucking cops about this. <laughs> My predictions are always right. <laughs> I got a prediction you might get two broken legs if you try to bother me anymore. Uh, you might end up with a horse in <laughs> Just the Sopranos, but every time they have to go to trial, Tony's like, uh, yeah, I predicted that the witness will not testify. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's like burning incense and, to try and fuck with. Uh, I, can't <laughs> I can't remember Sopranos. In the back room of a strip club, reference. just burning incense. <laughs> Tone, come on. Uh, uh, yeah, Tone, is that sage? I was hoping for passion fruit this week. I could do these all day, bro. <laughs> I can't. I haven't seen Sopranos in like two years. Um, hey, T, you mind dripping some candle wax on my stomach? Um, <laughs> hey T, do you believe in Cthulhu or Baphomet? <laughs> but af after that, like weird fucking witch, I guess primer for witchcraft, they like go back to uh, the lady's house and they have another weird ass fucking adult house party where they're just hanging out. And it's like yeah. Jody, her friend, her daughter, and then her daughter's student teacher for some reason. Um, <laughs> you know, a regular hang. And this is what we were talking about earlier, where it's like the weird Dostoevsky philosophy r just injected right into the middle of this movie about something else, uh, where they're uh, essentially talking about like whether you can manifest something. Uh, and the guy, uh, the student teacher was talking about it like in the context of, uh, you know, if you can uh, manifest, people can manifest themselves into sickness. Huh? Huh? And then Jody's, or Joan's like, yes. And also... If I really wanted to move that tea kettle with my mind, I could manifest that too. And he's like, no. <laughs> and she's like, well, you just said. Yeah. <laughs> you just said if I thought well, hard yeah, enough. 
that's I, I just like that he made this very reasonable argument and then this lady just like adapted it to what was going on in her life. Like, how yeah. the fuck, why the fuck would this guy think like, oh, yeah, you know, like, of course, you could manifest your be yourself into being sick. Your brain can is capable of a lot. And then all of a sudden, this lady who's hot off her witch appointment is like, yes, like I could use it for <laughs> brain powers. If I thought hard enough, I could do I could create a demon or whatever. And he's like, well, no. And she's like, you already said yes. And then. No, she's actually right, because after I watched The Secret, I learned how to levitate. <laughs> I just really like this because then that guy feels the need to prove his point that already everybody agrees with. <laughs> so to prove his point, yeah, everybody able to manifest certain things. He like rolls a fake joint out of a cigarette and then tricks her friend into thinking that uh, she's smoking weed. And then when she actually smokes the fake weed, she gets, you know, she thinks that she's high. She thinks she's all fucked up. And then uh, he just starts like grilling her about, you know, uh, uh, about how you know her life's going nowhere suburban fucking nonsense pretty much like all of uh, joan's problems are just reflected in uh this lady's uh high panic and being interrogated while she's high and panicking uh did you ever have dudes like yeah. that who like were big into uh, who would like ever you know distribute fake weed at a party or anything like that yeah i mean i think that like i'm of the opinion that uh, everyone has sold some amount of oregano to someone else at some point in their life. I just think that's part of growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I only sell heavy grams to people. I only, uh, <laughs> I only deliver. I only, have <laughs> I only help out people. No, I, 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 just I don't know. I just feel like, like I started smoking weed, like after all my friends figured out how to do it. So I never had like people buy or trying to scam me with oregano. I was just hoping that was a thing. I, I always oh. heard about, like, it happened to a friend of a friend, but, like, I weed was so easy to come by <laughs> when I was young that it just wasn't... It was easier to get real weed than it was to get fake weed, honestly. That's so funny. Me and my friend, like, uh, like I had a cooler friend uh, in junior high, and he told me about, like, how it happened to him one time, and then we were like, you know what? We should get someone else with it. <laughs> uh, so we sold this other guy fake weed. <laughs> so I think it's a, I think it's a lot like the cycle of violence. You know what I mean? It will just continue to be perpetuated. Yes. And what about the cycle of uh, I, getting someone <laughs> fucked up and then grilling them at a party? Yeah, I That's think that'll continue as well. Also to both of us. I don't know if we if we've talked about it on the show. But <laughs> God damn, one of the worst moments I've ever had. We were Brad and I were just at a party. And uh, a person there kept trying to tell everybody about how they had ADHD and just like was dying. <laughs> everyone. And it's like just not a vibe to be like trying to chill with your friends and somebody being like, hey, you're demonstrating a lot of symptoms of this mental illness. And then you just have to like yeah, accept yeah. that. Hey, and uh, have you ever about it? And they're like, yeah, hey, someone coming you? up to you and they're like, hey, hey, I know you feel weird right now, but I think it's probably because you have an undiagnosed mental illness, you psychopath. Hey, have you thought about going to the doctor for the way that you are? Like, no, I'm trying <laughs> to chill with my friends right now. Uh, I just like will forever remember or like have the mental image burned in my brain. There was a fullback who played for the CFL at that party and he was just curled into a ball on the couch and she's just like whispering all this evil into his ear about how he has ADHD and he's too fucked up to drive. The tallest and, like, and strongest man I've ever seen in my life. 
the huge a man who gets paid money to be professionally gigantic was rattled to his core <laughs> by this fucking woman by catching him at a bad time, who... spitting evil into his ears. So yeah, that's why I hated this. Time. Like I hated Greg through this movie. He just like gave me so many bad yeah. fucking vibes. Oh, I don't like a man who you know sweet talks people that. Yeah, just let me be weird. Just let me be weird. Don't I'm tell a... me I'm being weird. This is my house. <laughs> I've been like this for my whole life. Do you think I haven't noticed ever? Yeah. Also, now is not the time. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> stop bringing this up now. Maybe, maybe if you knew me when I was in fifth grade, or you know, when I was five, when we could have intervened early. But like, it's it's too late now. You were eighteen. It's like, why don't you write this down and text it to me in the daytime? You know. Yeah, how about I'll give you uh, my family practitioner's number. How about you just forward her <laughs> all your concerns? Uh, <laughs> no one should ever riff out the mental illness I might have to me after the sun has set. No, because I'll yes and you, it. baby. I'll yes and you all night long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then they like prank the lady into believing in magic, right? Well, and just into high? thinking that she was high and fucked up and all this. And... Uh, so then uh, Joan gives her a ride home, drops her off, and then comes back to the house. It's so weird to me that it's like, this is the party. Like, the parties, they have like Mad Libs and then like tricking people into thinking they smoked weed. You know, like this movie is really just about a bunch of 47-year-old sixth graders at a sleepover. Yeah, man. Fuck. I'm so glad it's I just... was able to be exposed to marijuana and drug use as a child I so I don't have to act like <laughs> these fucking whack-ass adults. I don't know, man. 30s. It's just like a, it seems like a bunch of people who never graduated elementary school because they were partying too hard. <laughs> oh yeah. So I also like after she ends up like dropping her friend off from uh, that party, takes her home, and then comes back to the house, and then uh, she hears Greg fucking her daughter upstairs, which yep. seems like it's a, it, it, they frame it like it's a very important moment for her in this movie but it's so horribly edited and put together you can't really figure out why it's important i was thinking like maybe it's because <laughs> she's just like jealous of her daughter's youth uh or something that her daughter has her full life ahead of her and then also uh she was just kind of idly fantasizing earlier about how she would like to cheat on her husband like not with anybody specific yeah. she just likes the idea of not having sex with her husband <laughs> respect uh yeah honestly and so then she just like lays in bed and like gets jealous i guess that her daughter's being plowed and she like listens to her daughter getting fucked and they keep like flashing a bull over the screen <laughs> so i don't know if that's symbolism for how that guy is a bull or something and how she's going to cheat on her cuck husband later maybe it's foreshadowing maybe it's nothing who knows Maybe I'm trying to yeah, read into this fucking nonsense. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough thing. It's about a, it. really impossible to say why. You really feel like a fucking crazy person, like a lunatic trying to like read into this movie and figure out like, oh, is this badly put together or is he trying to say something with that? Um, yeah, exactly. Which is like, that's how I feel when I watch all movies, man. Because I feel like they're all supposed to have a message to them. So I always watch them and just get mad at myself for being too dumb to get it when really we're just watching like some bullshit that makes no sense. Exactly. Like, this it... podcast has convinced me 
that I'm so fucking stupid when really we're just watching movies made by people stupider than me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about your intelligence from this. These are objectively bad movies we watch a lot of the time. Uh, but, um, and then her daughter just gets furious and like fucking walks out or, you know, runs away from home after that, which seems like a weird re- way to react. Like, I don't like if if. Yeah, I found out my parent. if I was still living at my parents' house and I found out that they heard me fuck, I wouldn't get mad at them for just hearing apologize. me fuck. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm sorry you had to hear that. That's on me. It's like, this is her, ha- like, what the fuck? What kind of weird relationship do you have where your daughter is getting mad at you? Not even for, like, cock-blocking her, but for, like, ha- what, letting her have use your house to fuck in? What? To get jealous of uh, your daughter getting dick just seems like an interesting relationship to have with your uh, child. But this next th- scene is another one I was wondering about, like whether this is a dream or if this actually happens in the movie. Um, she's like sitting on the on the couch and her husband slaps her in the face and is like getting mad at her for the daughter running away. Like he blames her for it. But that scene is also edited very like lots of fucking jump cuts, lots of weird angles, all the fucking dreamlike aspects of the first couple of scenes where her husband was abusing her. And then all of a sudden it like cuts very suddenly and she's like sitting in the same spot on the couch as she was before, but she's wearing a completely different outfit and she's like being interviewed by the police. That kind of like makes me wonder, like, is she, is her husband actually like a abusive piece of shit or is she just not happy and projecting all this horrible things onto him? Yeah. Cause what if she's the abusive one? neglecting him all the time yeah what if she's the to uh, think about which shit but yeah by i I didn't see her cook a single meal for him through this whole movie (laughs) okay well (laughs) that's not what i meant (laughs) she's the abusive one you're right brad Uh, (laughs) that is not what i meant that's what i'm everybody to all the women listening i want you to know brad's on your side and i would let you you be a witch if you were my girlfriend (laughs) Uh, I also just like how like how unconcerned they are about their daughter having just run away. Yeah, they're just like they're mad at the other one's parental failing. They're not even like let's solve the problem. Well, hopefully when she gets back, we can ask her who failed as a parent to make her run away <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> hopefully we can settle this debate when she shows up at our house out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i feel like that's how parents actually act when kids run away Uh, yeah i don't know man it's just so funny to me i i think that was only because it was like slightly different moral panics like we were saying before like this movie came out right in the middle of the satanic panic everyone's worried about uh heavy metal music getting their kids into satan and witchcraft and all that shit uh but it wasn't quite when Stranger Danger had started yet, so I don't think people w- were worried about their kids being abducted. <laughs> That's so funny that it like it's so funny that everyone only realizes problems like as a group, and they're not. None of them are real problems. <laughs> yeah, and they're it's all just made like up in stuff. And we're like, what if that was real? And then everyone gets worried about it for forty years, and we pass legislation to stop a major problem from happening. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, baby, that's called being part of the free world, bitch. Yeah, that's called we're a free successful to make up as many delusions actually. as we want. That's called politics in the twenty um, first century, bitch. Oh, so anyway, the husband, obvious or not the husband, uh, Joan. Obviously, she's trying to find her daughter 
sort of. She's also trying to rinse. So she goes to see uh, Greg, the guy who, you know, the last person to see and also bang her daughter because he would probably know where she <laughs> And he doesn't. He's also, like, not worried about it either, which I love. Three for three, the only people in this woman's life, <laughs> none of them give a fuck that she's missing. Uh, and, uh, and Yeah, that's insane, dude. Maybe uh, the kid's the real victim of abuse. Oh, I do remember this movie should have this movie should have been about her daughter uh, going missing and then getting pissed off when nobody cares that she went missing. That nobody yeah. finds her. She just like, sort of find, gets found herself like they reference at the end of the movie. She, they're like, oh, yeah, they found her in Buffalo. And then we never like they, <laughs> the daughter never comes back home. They're just like, oh, yeah, that sorted itself out. Just like I knew it would. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny to me. But like, um. Oh, yeah, this movie, yeah, it should have been that. It should have been, like, the daughter runs away and gets mad that uh, no one was looking for her, so then she becomes the witch and wreaks havoc on the town. Oh, yeah, nobody can tell what's happening because it's all magic and she's doing witch shit in Buffalo. That would have been a way better movie. Yeah, so if there's any Hollywood people listening, (laughs) I am so available. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I didn't even understand why the kid ran away. I thought it was because she saw her mom lying down. I was like, let her do a little bit of self-care, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, she ran away, yes, because her mom got turned on at her having sex in the other room is why she ran away. <laughs> which is insane that that uh, which... was a reason to run away, much less that she found out her, like, what? Oh, never mind. Just that was such a slow I don't know, man. Together scene. A lot of questions. None of these people behaved like real people in this. It's just interesting to, you know, I like seeing what George A. Romero has to say about feminism. That's why I like this movie. <laughs> I also you don't think like... that's a good one? Sorry? Sorry, you don't think that's a legitimate reason to run away from home, though? What? That like, if you found out your parent you... got horny that you were fucking? Um, I mean, I guess. Maybe it's legitimate, but I wouldn't I... run away unless I did pre-planning, you know? Like, I'm not the type of guy who's just going to take off to Buffalo. I'd, uh, you know, I'd probably just go across the street or somewhere a little closer. I'm not the type of guy whose moans are going to be listened to. First and foremost, there's a lot of other types of guys that I'm not, but they all come after. But so like she shows up to the to the student teacher's classroom to like and like the, the, you know, the main uh, reason for her visit is to like find her missing daughter. But the subtext of the visit is like I'm looking to cheat on my husband. Uh, And then, you know, which is (laughs) a crazy combination of like energies to have. I don't know, man. That kind of made me want to be a student teacher. Like, is that what student teacher meetings are like? I only saw them yeah, from I my guess. mom's side. My mom was in a happy marriage. But what if I'm meeting with a mom who isn't in a, in a happy marriage? What then? <laughs> the guy whose opener is about his parents sleeping in different beds. My <laughs> parents, what, yeah, they were in a happy marriage, dude. It's a success, man. I am <laughs> honestly seeing my parents be married for like... 25 years sleeping in different beds has poisoned me from ever sharing a bed with my significant other. <laughs> I just can't. I, I That's not going to happen for me. That's not, I'm not going I don't to know. do that. Yeah, I don't know why you have to. I don't want to. I you're hate not allowed to be people. in a, like you're not allowed, it's not a real relationship unless you sweat on them every night. That's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, that's what people think. I reference the fact that I, I just say my parents sleep in different beds, and that's literally a 30-second laugh sometimes. 
<laughs> people, people don't know, comprehend that shit. They, they that that doesn't even enter into their minds that you can have a successful relationship uh, on opposite floors of the house. I know because I wrote that same joke a year before you did it. Nobody understood what I meant when I said it. <laughs> but she uh, also through the whole movie, she keeps having like invasions of her, or sorry, dreams of getting her home invaded. Uh, and it's yeah. kind of cool, actually, how she has like a reoc- the reoccurring dreams because like each time she like tries to best her murder di- or tries to like best the home invader murderer differently. You know, like the first time she's like, uh, I think she like tries to uh, she does she can't do anything. She just like gets murdered, and then the next time she like tries to stab him, and then the time after that she like tries to shoot him. It's like it's just very cool to see how she progresses. You know, normally when I have <laughs> reoccurring nightmares, I'm just like fucked the same way every time. But I like that this lady's <laughs> so lucid funny. dreaming. I like that she's you know working through her shit. <laughs> Yeah, this lady goes to Dreamland and upgrades before she starts playing. Yeah, she doesn't decide to not have a nightmare. She's just like, I'm going to beat this nightmare. That's like what I was talking about (laughs) last episode of playing video games I hated for 10 hours so I can just fucking finish them. Uh, Yeah, dreams are video games for this lady. Yeah. But then uh, after that, her husband uh, is just offhandedly is like, uh, I got to go on a business trip. Also, sorry that I keep beating you. So I guess now we know it was a dream. It was just terribly edited a few sequences. Yeah, exactly. So now we know that like the real abuser was George A. Romero. (laughs) For making me wonder. (laughs) But he says it so casually that it kind of made me wonder if that was even real because he's he just like kisses her on the cheek and then he's like, by the way, I shouldn't have hit you. Yep, sorry I hit you. And, and then it's it, like, you just how is you don't see him again for the rest of the movie. How does he think that's enough, dude? Like, was there ever a time where that was enough? Well, and if you're like, if, I just feel like an apology like that, like, eh, sorry I got you, is that's worse than nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's I like you're rather, rubbing it in now. Exactly. It's like I'm sorry, and there's nothing you can do about. It. I would rather if we just like you know never talked about it. Yeah, dude. If you punched me, I would expect a nicer apology than that. Ex- or nothing. You would expect me to either be like, "Hey, <laughs> that was out of line. I shouldn't have done that," or we I pretend like nothing happened. Those are the only two ways yeah, to react exactly. to that. <laughs> a half ass of oh, yeah about exactly that. that's that's not enough that's in, that in fact that's worse than the initial abuse um a half ass sorry about that is for when you walk by a girl in the grocery store not for when you punch a girl in the face yes exactly and even then it's like why are you saying anything you know just keep going uh at least that's how i live my life yeah <laughs> big on uh, just keeping going but after her husband leaves, and <laughs> she finally fair. gets to have her Rocky montage of this movie, where she, Season of the Witch, the song is playing, and it fucking slaps. I love that song. And, uh, yeah, she's, like, going and buying all her witch shit at the store, and she, like, puts it all on the counter. And uh, the guy's like, oh, this is all the stuff a witch would buy. And she's like, well, I am a witch. And, like, puts the sunglasses on, <laughs> and it's like, fuck, she, she's in. But also, like... Yeah, that's so badass. You're not a fucking witch, lady. You haven't done any... Like, that just reminded me of, like, all those dudes who, like, they would show up to an open mic, and they're like, I am a comedian. I do comedy, and if anybody (laughs) has any questions about doing comedy, please ask me. I am a comedian. Or, like, 
the fucking guy who shows up to the skate park with like a brand new skateboard and then just like stands on it for hours not moving <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they've just got like a pristine deck and they're talking to you about like grinding and tricks and it's like i don't know, yeah. know anything about grinding or tricks <laughs> listing all the tricks he can do while he's just standing there drinking kool-aid it's like four of those are from Tony Hawk, bro. <laughs> what do you mean you can do a 360 900 indie? <laughs> yeah, I love just saying you could do 900s. I'm sure I told people I could do a 900. I only recently found oh, out dude. what that meant. I used to be the opposite of that when I was a kid because I was like really into all that shit. So I would get so mad at people when they said they could do a trick that they couldn't do. I didn't even recognize that it was a joke. I just thought it was cool. I just uh, I, I knew what the words for tricks were. I didn't know what they meant. So I was just always telling people I was all in and doing 900s and just throwing numbers out there. I did a 728 the other day. That was pretty tight. <laughs> A couple I would have taken <laughs> I would have taken personal offense to this type of treatment. <laughs> Man, I got to start doing that showing up to the skate park and trying to, sh- to talk shop with people. <laughs> oh man, please start doing it as a 20-year-old. It's way funnier as an old person. <laughs> oh yeah, and like just trying to like vibe with high schoolers. Oh man. That's going to be my future. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to keep it real there. <laughs> When I turn like 30, I'm going to go get an entry level job. Yeah, Just I think try that to would seem be cool fun. to all the people. <laughs> yeah, I'd really like to be a cautionary tale for somebody later on. Yeah. <laughs> we are recording a cautionary tale right now. That's in true. Multiple we are. parts. Yeah, uh, welcome to part 20 of uh, me and Brad's cautionary tale. I'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe leave it in. Oh, so this is my favorite part of the whole movie. Her husband's out of town. She wants to get, uh, she wants to cheat on him. And how does she do that, Brad? How does she do that? Through the through the magic of conjuration, she buys all that witch shit at the store in order to do a spell, I guess, to make Greg come to her house and bang her. And she like lights. Yeah, this is backshadowing. Yeah, she puts her hand out. She like says the magic words, and then she pours a drink, and then she waits, and she waits and waits and waits, (laughs) and he doesn't show up. So he she gives her him a call and is like, "Please come over to my house. I want you to fuck me." And then he gets there, and she's like, "How do you think I made you come here? (laughs) How do you think I knew you?" She's like, "I influenced you." you." Called me what? Yes, obviously you influenced me. You asked me to come. What are you talking about? (laughs) I psychically influenced you to come over here by sending you a picture of my titties on Snapchat. After I influenced you uh, via mind powers, I just asked you, and it turned out that was enough. (laughs) But only because of the influence before. That's like the equivalent of like, you know, when you're like, hey, can you open this jar for me? And you like just crank on it so hard and you're like, I can't do it. And then you give it to another guy and they open it immediately. And they're like, and you're like, oh, I loosened yeah. it. That's what she's doing with her spells. <laughs> her spells are like, oh, I loosened them up. You know, I loosened them up for you so, so you can just ask them later on. Yeah, my spell got you in the neighborhood, but my phone call, that's what brought you to my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fucking funny i can cast spells to make anyone do anything i want but part of my spell is uh, asking you to do that thing that i would like you to do that's probably the most important (laughs) part of it actually 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I cast then, a spell where everyone does me favors whenever I ask. Yeah, I got a spell where everyone, uh, uh, they greet me as I enter into a building. They say hello, and then I say hi back. I just learned a new spell where I give the 7-Eleven guy $5, and then he gives me candy. <laughs> Very good spell, Bradley. <laughs> Is there any preamble yeah, to that? Do I need to buy any sage or any, you know, any any spice, anything to burn any incense? Or yeah, do you I just need $5 Canadian to pull that one off? <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to buy a big thing of incense and walk into 7-Eleven and light it as you walk in. And then buy your candy and then ask the guy, now, how do you think I tricked you into giving me this? Now, why do you think you're doing this for me right now? And he's like, because it's my job. <laughs> and you're like, if only you knew. <laughs> it's your job to obey my every wish, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then after after she gets Greg over, it's revealed that she didn't just want him for his body to have sex with. She wanted him for his body to do a, a ritual with. Uh, and she like summons a demon into her house or something, and that plot line really goes nowhere. You can assume that they had to edit that part out to save time later on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they like uh, they they uh, uh, summon the spirit by like drawing a picture on a piece of paper and like lighting a candle, being like this paper yeah, of is course. the spirit, which. Uh, little known fact, me and Brad busted a couple of ghosts one time with some professional ghost hunters, and that's how they did yeah, it. Yeah, we went on a ride along <laughs> ride along with time. the ghost police. Uh, and that was it. They fucking wrote, uh, they drew pentagrams and then uh, burned it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how George A. Romero got this perfectly factually accurate, but he did, and we thank him for it. Yeah, no, uh, so af uh, after she, like, uses him for his body to carry out the seance, I guess, she tells him to fuck off and that she never wants to see him again. And then she uh, has a dream <laughs> where another, yet again, this guy is breaking into her house. Uh, and But this time she, like, gets her gun and, you know, realizes, I guess, dreams where it is in the house, which is pretty fucking good for her. Uh, but as soon as she wakes yeah. up, she hears someone, like, at her door actually fucking jiggling the lock trying to get in. Uh, so then Joan jumps into action, shoots him through the fucking wall, and then uh, realizes that it was her <laughs> husband who got back from work early. He's yep. laying dead outside, and everyone's like, well, you know, it might have been on purpose, but we'll never be able to prove it. And you, the viewer, don't even know if this was on purpose or if this was an accident because it's so badly put together and edited. But uh, I like but to maybe imagine it's it also an left to be like that. Maybe, but you don't know because there's f literally 40 minutes is missing from this movie. So who's to say uh, how <laughs> it was intended? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was probably an accident. Yeah, that's also what I think, too. I, I imagine it as one of those accidents where you're like, oh, oh okay, that that's that's fine. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll take that. But, yeah. When you, like, <laughs> drop an egg and it lands in the pan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but then, like, the aftermath of the whole movie is pretty much just uh, Joan, but now she is the beautiful house, not housewife, excuse me, the beautiful woman she uh, always meant to be. She's got a huge giant mullet now, which, as we know, is the <laughs> mark of a hot babe. Uh, That's what at, we like, know. She's at another house party, except this time everyone's just, like, talking about how radiant she's looking, how fucking happy and good she's doing. 
and uh, yeah, this is supposed to be a good party because they're not playing Mad Libs anymore. They're talking about her. Yeah, exactly. And then it, uh, <laughs> I think she references to one of her friends. Her friend uh, uh, Shirley's like, "What's different about you?" And she's like, "I am a witch," which I love that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's very I do stand up comedy. That very ballsy <laughs> yeah, yeah. to bring that up at a party when nobody's asked you. Uh, They're like, you have a certain glow to you. And she's like, oh, thanks. I actually know magic powers. I actually just did my first five. Uh, would you like to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, thanks. I just pulled my first rabbit out of a hat. So it's probably that. Um, what else happens there? Fuck. Oh, yeah. And then um, at the end of it, they're just talking uh, I forget somebody like offhandedly. It's like zooming in on her face, and then someone you hear over, uh, you overhear is just like, "Oh, that's just Jack's wife," and then it like zooms in and free, you know, freeze frames on her, kind of glaring at that word, Jack's yep. wife. That was what the original movie was supposed to be called, Jack's wife, and I assume a lot of what they cut out was a subplot where she was pissed off about living in Jack's shadow, and then that whole thing would have made a little more sense at the end, but. I really liked that, yeah. nonetheless. I still got the feeling of it, though. You get the feeling of it. And that's what this movie is. It's, like, not a good movie, <laughs> but I I get the feeling of it. And I like the feeling. I like what yeah. this was going for. This movie, like, the spirit of this movie was perfect. It was right where it needed to be. But, like... This is honestly probably the first movie we've watched that actually should get remade. It Yes, it actually should get remade because I think this movie is like more relevant now than ever. I think that there's such a huge market for this type of film and nobody's making them. Um, yeah, and also know. everybody feels trapped right now. Like, Yeah, seriously. It's like this is like the perfect movie to remake. It's it just like poignant. make it make a little sense next time, you know? And also get a lady to direct it is what I would say. I think that would add a lot to it because this was... Uh, this was made in the weird time where uh, when there wasn't really many feminist films being uh, coming out and the only ones that were were made by dudes, you know, because like all he had to say was that it's fucked that she's getting beaten by her wife or by her husband and that it's, you know, she wants more. And then that could just be like, cool, good job. You actually nailed all the issues of feminism right now because women's rights are so far goddamn behind. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's cool that he made a feminist thing but yeah i agree it's like it's you know at the end of the day it's like he is probably jack in real life so he probably doesn't understand what someone like jack's wife would actually feel like exactly but this is a comedy podcast and we're here for the ha-has that's true but also i mean like there was nothing else to compare it to when it came out so I'll, I'll, i'll like the fact that there's a woman in this who isn't like Nothing horrible happens to her if you catch my drift. Uh, that's a win. Just it, yeah, that that. Well, I think perfect. I think the best way to say it is that this movie was so progressive that it had to be released as a porn. Maybe in uh, forty years from now, we'll be watching all, a bunch of porns talking about how those are master, you know, feminist masterpieces directed by George A. Romero. Who's to say? about what the Amen. future holds. God Can damn. I tell you my favorite quote of the movie? Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> uh, okay, so when she calls um, the substitute teacher to come over and bone her, uh, she's like, when I called you, I knew you'd come. And he's like, why? And she's like, you're going to hate me, but I'm a witch. 
I just thought that was such a funny, like, that's exactly the sentence that people say when they're canceling clans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's actually just what I'm going to start saying when I cancel plans. <laughs> it's the day we're supposed to hang oh out. Oh my God. You get a text, you're going to hate me, but I'm a witch and then nothing <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I actually can't hang out today. I forgot that I'm a sorcerer. Forgot that I'm a. <laughs> I gotta go do magic. Anyway, I'll see you when I see you.